Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, March 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Investors are spooked by the sudden replacement of Turkey's central bank governor. The push to produce COVID-19 vaccines in the U.S. is creating a shortage of other drugs. And Goldman Sachs responds to some vocal and overworked young bankers. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Investors were thrilled when Turkey's central bank governor raised interest rates sharply last week. It gave them hope that the currency could recover from historic lows. But the excitement was short-lived. Over the weekend, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan abruptly sacked the governor, and on Monday, the lira plummeted. Our markets editor, Katie Martin, is here to explain why. Hi, Katie. Hey, how are you doing? So what's the story here? Investors seem to like the central bank chief, uh, Naji Abel. Why did Erdogan fire him and why did markets react so strongly? Yeah, I mean, as you pointed out, there was a large rise in interest rates last week from the Turkish Central Bank under Arbal. It was two percentage points, which is a lot, and it's a lot more than the markets were expecting. And this is a big deal because it really helps to support the lira and really helps to bring down inflation. And there was this massive sigh of relief. This is great. We've got someone running the central bank now who responds to inflation in the way that we think he's going to and uses quite conventional monetary policy, which is something that you haven't always been able to bank on with Turkey. And so just as everyone was, you know, writing all the articles about how great Naji Abal is, he was gone, like in a (laughs) sort of super late night weekend move. He was fired. And this came absolutely out of nowhere. No one in in markets was expecting this. And so bankers and investors spent the weekend kind of messaging each other thinking, okay, how bad is this going to be when markets open on Monday? And it was bad. Tell me how bad it was. So the currency initially dropped like 16%. It calmed down a little as the day went on, but it wasn't pretty. Stocks fell 9%. This just tells you that the market doesn't understand what sort of situation it's got itself into now. So the new central bank governor, Shahab Kabjiolu, is a bit of an unknown quantity. He's a party loyalist. He's a professor. He has been known to express views suggesting that interest rates, higher interest rates, raise inflation, which is the precise opposite of how pretty much all central bank governors elsewhere on the planet view the relationship between the two. So that's why markets are nervous. It's this idea that we've got a new Erdogan loyalist in in the hot seat. They tend not to work out terribly well. The history of the past few years tells us in terms of their relationship with investors. So now it's starting to look like the currency is just entering a really volatile period. So Katie, how does this sit in the broader context of emerging markets? So Turkey was not the only country with a central bank in emerging markets to raise interest rates last week. We also saw very similar moves from Brazil and from Russia. And what that tells you is that with US government bond yields rising, because there's a sort of mini inflation scare going on with the US right now, it's more and more difficult for emerging markets, which are riskier bets, to attract foreign capital. So you've kind of got to keep your interest rates rising to keep pace with that rise in US interest rates so that investors are compensated effectively for the extra risk that they're taking on. That's why it's a particularly dicey time for Turkey to go its own way. Katie Martin is our markets editor. Katie, thanks so much for your time. Pleasure.
The U.S. economy is picking up partially because more people are getting vaccinated. The Biden administration has boosted production of COVID-19 vaccines, which is great. But there's an unintended consequence. It's creating shortages in other important drugs. The FT's Hannah Kuchler has been reporting this story, and she joins me to talk about it. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. So what a story. I mean, in some ways, this is not surprising. And in some ways, this is very upsetting and surprising that the production of other drugs has been disrupted. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, I completely agree. On the one hand, you have the situation where we're scaling up to products that didn't exist a year ago, and we're trying to make billions and billions of them. And of course, some of the equipment, the production lines, the raw materials that goes into them is going to be diverted from other things that we used to make. But then on the other hand, you know, especially perhaps because we haven't necessarily thought about this or prioritized things enough, when you get to a situation and you hear from patients, you say, you know, this drug was really important. It stopped, you know, me being in pain or even worse, it stopped with things that are perhaps irreversible. It's really quite horrifying, right? We're saying we're desperate to protect public health. And yet, actually, we are letting down some patients who can't get hold of really key medications. What made you start looking into this? So there was one company um, that came out first and said, look, this is a problem. We haven't been able to make anything since December. You know, they're kind of the canary in the coal mine precisely because they didn't have a stockpile of their drugs. So this in general is affecting biologic drugs. So not, you know, pills, because it's biologic drugs that use some of the same production lines as vaccines. And this is a company called Horizon Therapeutics, and they make a drug for thyroid eye disease, which is um, really important because it can help prevent blindness. And so they said this is partly because the Biden administration is, you know, to encourage the production of vaccines, they're using this thing called the Defense Production Act which is actually like a wartime legislation. And it says vaccine makers get to jump to the front of the line, which I think we agree makes a lot of sense. But this small company outsourced to a company that also makes Moderna and J&J vaccines. And what happened was they were booted off by this DPA and and they weren't able to make any of their drug. So Hannah, this seems like a really big problem. I mean, how bad is this for the people who rely on these medicines? So I spoke to one patient down in Florida and and she said she'd had so much hope when this drug could come on the market and she'd got approved for it. It was really improving her condition. And now she's back to being in pain and she's worried because some of this is irreversible um, if Mm. she loses some of her sight. And we're going to start seeing this for loads and loads of other drugs potentially. So Kanna, what kinds of drugs have been or will be disrupted So I got hold of this letter that Pfizer sent to hospitals warning them to expect supply disruption in four of its biologics. And they are two types of testosterone, a steroid and an antibiotic. And they are saying that there should be disruption, they think, around the second quarter. They didn't say it was necessarily going to completely stop or be completely unavailable, but they were warning that this disruption was coming. And do you have a sense of sort of how short or long term this issue will be? So I think we don't know how short or long term is. You know, someone else I spoke to for this story really projects it out into the longer term. And this is someone from one of the biggest glass makers in the world. Um, and they make those glass vials that vaccines come in. And they right. said that, you know, while they are massively expanding to meet the demand for vials for vaccines, um, they can't take any new orders. And so at the moment, 
if you come in as a pharma company and you say, I want to put my biologic in your glass vials, you've got to wait 18 months or a year at least. And so that will start having a knock-on impact to other drugs much further down the line than what we're seeing at the moment. Hannah Kuchler is the FT's pharmaceuticals correspondent. Hannah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. The pandemic has put a ton of people out of work, but not on Wall Street. Capital markets have been busier than ever, and all that banking has taken a toll on some junior Goldman Sachs analysts. Last month, they sent a presentation to management detailing their exhausting working conditions, including 95-hour work weeks. One of them wrote, I've been through foster care, and this is arguably worse. The presentation went viral, and just recently, Goldman CEO David Solomon responded. He offered a fix. He said he'd enforce the Saturday rule. That means junior bankers are not allowed to work from Friday after 9 p.m. until Sunday morning. But in the same memo, he also told employees to remember to still go an extra mile for clients, even when they feel they're reaching their limit. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.